Should it really be through? When we practice other spells at the store, I know these arts aren't always terribly intuitive, but through doesn't seem right. When we're working on the inner sea or practicing healing, you always tell me that you can't fight your own blood. I blinked, stared at him a long moment, at once proud of my student and embarrassed at my own lapse. My eyes felt heavy, full of things I needed to see. Right, let's find out where the wind takes us. I closed my eyes again, and rather than focusing on De Anima's medieval metaphors, cast myself through the symbols and into the wind. This time I didn't try to direct it, didn't force on it my desires and expectations and memories, and I felt my mind lifted, tossed and twisted, whirled up into the misty tendrils of the clouds, and I could taste them and breathe them and wrap them around me, and I remembered that I had something to tell them. I knelt on the strand, waves soaking my skirt, and gazed with pleasure and fear as the clouds spiraled, streaming away from the sky above us, and through that eye the starlight poured in. Oh, said Charlie, and then, what now? Now, I murmured, we watch the universe, and tell stories, and seek signs, and share what has been hidden in our own lives. My last such holiday, as a child, had been a natural tide, the sky clear without need for our intervention. They were supposed to be lucky. But my dreams, when at last I curled reluctantly to sleep beside the bonfire, had been of danger and dry air. Others, too, had seemed pensive and disturbed in the days following. Poor omens on the tide might mean anything. A bad catch or a boat-wrecking storm beyond the archpriest's ability to gentle. No one had expected the soldiers, and the end of tides for so many years to come. That past, those losses, were the hardest things I must confess tonight. We lay back on the sand, cold and firm, yielding slightly as I squirmed to make an indent for my head. It cradled my body and told me my shape. Wet grains clung together beneath my fingers. The stars filled my eyes with light of the same make, cold and firm. And past my feet, just out of reach, I heard the plash of waves and knew the ocean there, endlessly cold and strong and yielding, waiting for me. I said it plainly, but quietly. I am not a man of the air. Charlie jerked upright. Truly. Yes. I was about to say more when he spoke instead. I had not expected the admiration in his voice. I suspected, but I hadn't felt right to ask. You really are, then, one of the great race of Yith. What? No. Now I pushed myself up on my elbows so I could see him more clearly. He looked confused, doubtful. How could you believe I... No, you would know them if you met them. They have far more wisdom than me. I thought... He seemed to find some courage. You appeared out of nowhere, living with a people obviously not your own. You found your way to my store and my collection of books, and acted both singularly interested in and desperate for them. And you know so much, 
and you drop hints occasionally of greater familiarity in the distant past. And sometimes, forgive my saying so, but sometimes you seem entirely unfamiliar with this country, this world. I'd suppose shell shock, but that wouldn't explain your knowledge. I didn't want to pry, but after you told me about the Yith, how they exchange bodies with people through time, it seemed obvious that you must have somehow become trapped here, unable to use your art to return home, and that you hope to regain that ability through our studies. I lay back on the wet sand and laughed. It was all so logical, a completely different self, a different life, a different desperation, so close and obvious that I could almost feel what I would have been as that other creature. My laughter turned to tears without my fully noticing the transition. Charlie lifted his hand but hesitated. I struggled to regain self-control.